And it, you, you need to think about those things that could derail your plans as part of your process. You're thinking about your cap rates. You're thinking about how do I get tenants? You're thinking about what could possibly go wrong here that would throw me off course. And a, a limited liability company is a great way to isolate the risk. You have a one piece of property. If something goes wrong there and you've got a portfolio of 10, it, it's not going to be a game changer. It's not going to it's not going to end your your plans. If you don't have a limited liability company and something goes wrong at one and it's something catastrophic, it can take down all those other investments because your liability will flow to everything you own. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Jonathan Finiak. This is part one of a fairly long interview we did with Jonathan, all about LLCs. We talk about what LLCs offer you as a real estate investor, both in terms of asset, liability, and privacy protections, all those great things. Some areas where maybe they fall short, some areas where maybe you can improve your LLC game and so many other things. I ask a lot of questions that I think are both I'm curious about, right? But I think many of our listeners out there are curious about as well. I'm out there, I'm always trying to listen to what you guys want to hear. And I think we addressed a good bit of that today with Jonathan Finiak in our conversation about LLCs and what they can offer you. If you're new to the show and you're not yet a subscriber, take a quick second. If you enjoy the show, go to your favorite podcast app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button. That way you will be able to catch future interviews, including part two of this interview on your favorite podcasting app. If you do enjoy this show and you are an Apple user, please take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcast app, give us a rating and review that helps other people learn about the show. It's very much appreciated. It helps improve our ranking in the uh, Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And it also just helps me feel good. I really appreciate seeing everything that you guys have to say on those reviews. So again, much appreciated all around. If you take 30 seconds to do that, I would just love it. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I learned a lot today. I know you will as well. You know, this is a, a huge topic. It's not very, uh, the information out there generally on the internet is not super clear. And I think today with Jonathan, we clarified so much about LLCs and we're gonna clarify even more in part two. So without any further ado, here we go with Jonathan. Jonathan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Hey, me too. We've been chatting for a little while now here. I like to do that with all my guests and I'm excited to hit record and bring some of this content to the audience. For the folks out there who don't know about you and don't know about what you do, can you tell us a bit about your background and you know your business with LLC formation and all that great stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm an attorney, but I'm a third career attorney. Prior to becoming an attorney, I was a financial advisor, worked with high net worth individuals at Wells Fargo Advisors. You know, Many of my clients there, the really successful ones were ones who had real estate portfolios. They used it alongside of their you know, the traditional stock and bond portfolios. And then before that, I was an operations manager in Manhattan. So ran big operations, did a lot of commercial leases and had a lot of uh, sort of touching the real estate and the businesses. <laughs> Another interesting thing, the businesses that came and went from different locations 
the landlord was always making money. So, so <laughs> I, I definitely appreciate what you're helping everyone with here, Taylor, because real estate is the foundation of, of really creating an, an early retirement and having a successful financial life. I love that. I'm, we're going to have to clip that audio out and just paste that everywhere, use that everywhere. And, and now you're, in the, you're an attorney, you're in the LLC uh, formation space, helping people gain protection, uh, privacy protection, liability protection, all that great stuff. And you know, folks out there probably have uh, an idea about what an LLC is. And you know, today I wanted to first address, you know, in your opinion, what the biggest upsides of having an LLC for your real estate investments really are. Are you know, as we hear so many su- supposed great advantages. It's hard to know what's real and what's you know hype or or not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not all it's said to be. Yeah, the, I, I I view asset protection as like as a layer cake. There's there's uh, simply like six things you can do to protect yourself, and 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 when you're you're investing in you know riskier investments. So if you're the owner of a of a single family property or an apartment building, what can possibly go wrong to derail your future plans? And it, you you need to think about those things that could derail your plans as part of your process. You're thinking about your cap rates. You're thinking about how do I get tenants? You're thinking about what could possibly go wrong here that would throw me off course. And a a limited liability company is a great way to isolate the risk. You have a one piece of property. If something goes wrong there and you've got a portfolio of 10, it's not going to be a game changer. It's not going to end your, your plans. If you don't have a limited liability company and something goes wrong at one and it's something catastrophic, it can take down all those other investments because your liability will flow to everything you own. That, that's the critical part of limited liability company. And, and, and if you do it right and set it up right, first and foremost, it will isolate the risk into that one bucket. What am I willing to lose here? Is, is 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 what you need to say when it comes to setting up the LLC. And another thing that LLCs allow you to do is, is have privacy. You know, if someone knows that you are the owner of 10 or 20 or 40 or 50 properties because your name is on all of them, that can cause people to act differently around you, especially when it comes to a plaintiff's attorney. If someone slips and falls in front of your property, if they think you're just on one, okay, you, you know, maybe we won't sue this person above their policy, their insurance policy limits. But if they see that you're incredibly wealthy, that plaintiff's attorney is going to push and push and push because he knows you have more or she knows you have more to lose in, in, in that lawsuit. And so uh, an, an LLC, if, if, if done correctly, and, and there's, yeah, we could talk about sort of the, the privacy element a little bit more. If, if, if done correctly, will not allow those individuals to gain additional information about you that you don't want them to know. All they should have access to and all they should know is, okay, when it comes down to it and they need to serve that LLC with papers saying they're being sued, that they know then you are the owner, but they won't know anything else about you and what other LLCs you do own if you set them up correctly. So, so that's key key point is to isolate that risk. You think about another advantage of LLCs in, in some states, uh, Wyoming being one of them, if you are sued personally, you get in a car accident, it has nothing to do with your rental properties. What is that plaintiff going to be able to get to of yours? And in Wyoming, they have something called charging order protection. Charging order protection says that a plaintiff can't break into your LLC and muck around and sell assets or put liens on assets in there. Other states don't afford you those protections. Most most other states say 
charging order and there's other remedies that are available to the plaintiff for you when you have a personal judgment against you. Many of those will be a judge will say, you can have the property in that LLC. And so by setting up a, an LLC in the correct state, you can effectively block those creditors from breaking into the LLC and getting those assets. Put you in a much better negotiating position when they understand that you have set up your structure properly to protect the assets you own in LLCs, as well as sort of, we call it bottoms up when someone slips and falls in your property or top down uh, liability issues. What is a personal plaintiff against you able to get? So that's okay. two, two, two things right off the bat that an LLC can do for you. So your firm does formations in five states from the information that I have. And based on what you're, you're saying, that's probably, I assume, driven by the privacy afforded by those states. Is that correct? And what five states are those? Yeah. Uh, I, yes, it is. The, the privacy is a, is a significant driver. The people who wanted to form anonymous LLCs before we existed would have to go to an attorney and they'd pay an attorney a significant amount of money to form the LLC for them and then turn it over to them. Okay, what we do is we've made it very accessible. We're willing to organize your LLC for you and then turn it over to you. So it's a different type of engagement with our clients that we offer. Some states require a significant amount of information when you're forming an LLC. Other states do not. We, though, are able to, in the states of Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Delaware, and Florida, able to form LLCs for our clients anonymously. Florida is one of the interesting ones, and we call it the, the Florida two-step, because Florida wants you to tell them who the members of the limited liability company are, who the owners, not just the managers, but who the owners are. And so the way we get around that is we form a Wyoming holding company, which can be formed anonymously, which then forms a Florida. We use it to form a, a Florida limited liability company. And in that way, your name doesn't show up on the Florida limited liability company. Only the Wyoming LLC does, and the Wyoming LLC is formed anonymously. And so people in Florida have had a difficult time sort of, well, what, what, what can we do with a very small adjustment? And, and, and our, our website there is Cindy's Florida LLC. Uh, if you go to Cindy's Florida LLC, you'll see form an anonymous LLC and say, well, how can you do that in Florida? Well, this is how you, this is how you do it. In, in, in other states, well, in, in other situations, you sort of run into a problem of your name needing to go down on records that which are entered into the public record. You know, for instance, on, on a deed, or on a document that goes in the chain of title. We are willing to sign for our clients. We'll sign as nominee manager of their LLC. And so I, I call it sign and resign. We basically will <laughs> sign a nominee agreement with the, with the client, agree that you know, we're not opining on the, the transaction itself. They may have other counsel who are willing to do that, or they're doing it themselves or do, do it themselves. We, we, will, we will sign and then we're no longer the manager. But for that, you know, for that short period of time, a couple of days, we are a manager of their limited liability company and they grant us the power to sign on behalf of the LLC. And so thinking about where your information is being disclosed and thinking about how easy it is for someone to find you in title records or in Secretary of State limited liability company records, that's something we, we are definitely focused on and provide our clients with solutions for doing. So there have been, I think back, you know, in this privacy topic, there have been some threads on Bigger Pockets recently where I'm, I'm pretty active with folks talking about, I guess, maybe some draft legislation. I don't know the full details 
but requiring you know disclosure of mm-hmm. uh, at a federal level uh, you know either owners or members of LLCs you know across the board uh, mm-hmm. I don't know the specifics of that do you have you heard any uh yeah. heard anything oh, yeah. about that, oh, yeah. There's is that a... <laughs> gonna happen yeah what's the deal yeah, yeah it is gonna happen it was the uh, national defense authorization act and the fear is that there's all these anonymous llcs that are being used by money launderers and criminals uh the reality is no that's not the case these are just people who don't want their name spread all over the internet it's and, always and the excuse and... so yeah it, it is right for our civil liberties that's the first thing to die but the, it, it's interesting. So the, the a statute, when it's put in place, like the, the National Defense Authorization Act, it basically empowers another part of the government to set up rules dictating how the law will be carried out. And, and in this case, I believe it was the Treasury is tasked with figuring out how to do it. We don't know what those rules are going to look like. There's going to be a federal register is where the, the rules will eventually be published. And they're subject to uh, a, a lot of comments, a comment period from the public and, and from uh, professionals in this space. And o- ultimately, what the rules are, are likely to look like, and this will be just all, a sort of spitballing now, what the rules are likely to look like is there's going to be a national secure database of ownership of limited liability companies. And you're going to have to report in, we will, as the formers of a limited liability company, will have to report that into the federal uh, government. But it specifically says in the act that they're secret, okay? It's it's not going to be available to the public. That's the way it reads now. And I I, I think that's going to follow through. It's it's pretty clear in the in the statute that it's not going to be a publicly available database of who owns every LLC, but it'll be used for purposes like any money, anti-money laundering or tax fraud or so on and so forth. If you're engaged in those things, we don't want you as a client anyway, right? But in this case, I think it's going to be another sort of form that we need to file to the federal government when we're forming an LLC. It may be we need to see a copy of an ID or a passport to do it, right? And then we're going to report in to the uh, federal government, but it's not going to be public av- publicly available, and it should not change the requirements at a, st- at a state level uh, as to what needs to be collected. It's going to be a federal uh, mandate that someone's going to need to provide the information. I'm not particularly concerned, and it is a long way off. There's going to be a lot of time between now and then to comment on on what's going on. And I think registered agents, attorneys, and others are going to have a lot of say in what goes into the final rules. Well, that's that's certainly good to hear and uh, and very heartening. Now, another thing, uh, we might have to break this interview up into two episodes. I sure. have so many questions. So another thing, if I want to back up to Florida, right? If they if they require that level of reporting, and you need to go. You know, file another LLC in Wyoming. Why bother with Florida in the first place? Why not just you know take it off the list and form your LLC in in Wyoming or Delaware or you know one of those other states? That that would be nice. Most states have a you know a, a business statute. So are you operating a business or engaging in business activities in a state? And it varies from state to state. Most states, with a few exceptions, California being one, simply owning property is not engaging in an active business in the state. If you, though, are renting that property out to the public, then you need to either form an entity in the state or you need to register your foreign entity, something formed in like Wyoming, you would need to register it in Florida to comply with the statutes. And not registering your entity with the state, some people go that route. I uh, don't recommend it, 
it can it can hurt you in a number of ways. Some states have significant penalties associated with the California. Uh, you have to pay eight hundred dollars uh, to register your foreign entity, and they actually have a rule where if you own more than a not exact number, but about sixty sixty five thousand dollars worth of property in the state of California, then your entity, your foreign entity needs to register in California. Most states don't just have the mere ownership of property. So if you have raw land in Florida and you wanted to have it owned by a foreign entity, you you would not be considered doing business in the state. I'm not licensed in Florida. Uh, You talk to your Florida attorney. I want to say that. But most states, the business statutes say that if if, uh, mere ownership of property is, is not enough to trigger what, what you get, though, with having an entity formed in that state is you have the right to sue and you have other uh, rights which sort of accrue to the entity. One of the things that can happen is if you have an LLC in the state, it's not registered in the state and it is sued, you can't countersue because the entity doesn't exist in the state, right? And, 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 and so there's some benefits there. There's other benefits that, that may go to registering it as a foreign entity in the state. Nice. Now, one of the things I also wonder is I can, I can hear people out there, at least a couple people out there, you know, saying to themselves, ah, crap, I registered my, I already started my LLC in Pennsylvania just to pick a state. I could have, you know, I could have picked one of these states that has better privacy provisions or what have you. And that LLC already owns a couple of rentals, you know, or do they have any, maybe recourse is the wrong word, but do they, do they have any reasonable path to you know, forming or starting or transferring to an entity in another state that can provide better privacy protections, hopefully without incurring enormous like penalties and fees and things. Yeah. You know, once the, the privacy is blown for one entity, where you formed it in your personal name, use your personal address in a state, it's, it's out there and there's really no putting the genie back in the bottle. A transfer to a new entity formed in the, in the, in the proper way could afford you some element of privacy. The, the problem with that is that the property records, the chain of title is going to show that there was a $0 like quit claim transfer from one LLC to another and someone who, who really wants to get you is going to be able to figure out that you now are the owner of this LLC as well. You know, fresh field approach, starting from scratch. Most of your investors, or, or I'm sorry, most of your listeners are, this isn't going to be their last properties that they buy. They're, you know, it's going to be the, just the beginning. And so viewing it in, in that way and saying, well, what can I do going forward? A lot of our clients, we help set up a, a holding company structure Wyoming holding company with subsidiaries in multiple states that own the property themselves. That gives them that top-down protection with Wyoming's charging order protection, bottom-up separation of the different properties. And if there's a handful of them that sort of sit on their own on islands, which are not fully protected because of the privacy element, okay, you know, increase your property insurance on on that when your landlord uh, tenant policy. Okay. Well, that is one of the big things that comes up speaking of, you know, insurance versus having an LLC or, or so on and so forth. Again, on these, on these forums, there are people have the opinion that, hey, I have a big umbrella policy for insurance, so maybe I don't need, you know, an LLC. What's your response to that mentality of, you know, when somebody says, I don't, you know, I'm not worried about the LLC because I have, you know, a lot of uh, umbrella insurance. 
I, I, I like to think about a risk of management budget and what is, what is it worth to you to protect yourself? And you start out with an LLC. It's fairly low cost to do and maintain, you know, an LLC in most states, you're looking at a couple of hundred bucks to set up and, you know, a couple of hundred bucks to maintain per year. Then on top of that, you do have a great uh, landlord tenant policy. You want all the liability to stop there. And you stop it there because a plaintiff's attorney, you got a, a pol- right policy limit covering the right risks. How many claims are going to go over a million dollars if you have a million dollar policy? It's going to be a very small percentage, right? And if they do, do get over that policy limit, well, then the LLC itself is going to be the protection. They're going to have access to the assets in that LLC, whatever the value of the property is, okay? But can, are, are they going to need to get beyond that? And if they need to get the, get beyond that, well, that's why I like having the Wyoming Holding Company because it gives them another LLC in another state to fight about. And it becomes more expensive for the plaintiff's attorney working on a contingency fee. Is he or she going to want to spend that time and energy to maybe be able to pierce the veil up at the next level? And piercing the veil is not, there's a lot of talk about it, but it's fairly rare that it happens. And so, you know, we've now set it up where one, two, three, maybe four levels before they actually get to you personally. And then if you've done it right, what do they get to you personally? Well, they get to maybe your primary residence, maybe your your vehicle or savings account, but all your other stuff is going to be in LLCs, which are going to have that charging order protection of, of afforded to them. And so setting up this layer cake and thinking cake and thinking about your your risk budget, how much you're spending each year, you're you're thinking about how much you're spending on you know, the, the cost to upkeep the property and maintenance and water heaters and the like, but are you thinking about your risk management? Because that will that will knock you off course of your plans. It would be catastrophic if you didn't own it in an LLC and that liability flows. It's more than your policy limit and it flows to you and everything you own. You know, game over, game over. Hmm. So that, um, I'm glad you brought up uh, piercing the veil. That is one of the big, I guess, buzz phrases in this space. They, people yeah. talk about piercing the corporate veil and that being you know, such a, such a major concern, but you're saying it doesn't happen that often. But when it does, what are the, the mistakes that you know, the folks have made that cause that? Is, is it getting into you know, severe negligence or something? I, I don't know. What, how does that great, usually it's, happen? It's a, it's a great question. And, and it's usually treating the LLC as if it's your alter ego. You don't have a bank account for your LLC, right? So what do you do? Well, we'll get an EIN number and open up a bank account in the name of the LLC. The LLC will accept the rents. The LLC will pay the expenses whatever's left gets distributed to you. You're not using the debit card for the LLC to pay for your groceries. It is a structure. It's a business, right? Are you treating it as a business? And I like to say that the judge will treat the entity with the respect that you show it. Do you have business records? Are you signing documents? When you're signing them, you're signing as, you know, Jonathan Finiak as manager of this LLC. Are, are you entering into agreements like that with your tenants? Are your tenants just handing you cash or are they writing a check to your entity, right? That's where uh, you're going to be protected. And, 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 and in the cases that, that I've read, it was situations where they formed an LLC and then nobody really knew they were operating in the name of the LLC. They're signing things in their personal name, not in the name of the LLC. They're accepting the checks and putting the, putting it to their personal accounts and they're using their credit card to pay expenses of the business and so on. 
it is a, if you want it to be treated with respect, treat it if it's, it's a separate person. It's, it's someone you know who's managing this property for you. And it's it very unlikely if you're doing that, that a judge is going to say, well, you should be held personally liable for this. Now, it could be, you know, absolutely gross negligence, something, you, you know, there's public policy reasons that a judge will pierce the veil. But those are going to be those are going to be few and far between rare circumstances. I'm assuming everyone who's listening is a responsible property owner and is doing the right things. Generally, this this is another layer of that cake to create a strong division between you and the asset itself. Hmm. Nice. Well, those are those are all very important points. And like I said, the the topic of quote piercing the veil comes up with some frequency when, especially. Uh, you know, we'll say layman like me talk about this topic <laughs> and, yeah. you, know, you know, we don't, don't know what we're talking about. All right, guys, that was part one of our interview with Jonathan Finiak. I hope you enjoyed it. Part two is coming tomorrow. You're going to love that as well. We talk about what LLCs can offer to passive syndication investors. We get into more about what piercing the corporate veil means and so many other things that uh, you're going to enjoy listening to. I learned so much and I know you will as well. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and it helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.